0: Hello and welcome to the In Publishing Podcast, bringing you weekly insights into the newspaper and magazine publishing sector. I'm Keir Byrne, and this week my guest is Sam Hales, editor of Premier Christianity Magazine. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Acorn Web Offset, the Yorkshire-based specialist A5 and A4 magazine printer. With high speed web offset and sheet fed printing, together with in house saddle stitching, perfect binding, and mailing services, Acorn can cope with the most demanding of production turnarounds. Acorn prides itself on its efficiency and low cost print production. For more information, visit acornweb.co.uk. Sam Hales has been editor of Premier Christianity magazine since January 2018. He is also a presenter on Premier Christian Radio and interviews well-known Christian leaders about their life and faith for the Profile podcast. Sam, welcome to the In Publishing podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You trained as a journalist at Southampton Solent University. Was it always your goal to work in religious media?
1: Well, I remember quite early on at university, they recommended us journalists have a specialist subject because they said journalism is a very competitive industry. And so it's a really good idea if there's there's one or maybe two areas, you, you know a lot about that area, you have an interest in it, because that will stand you in very good stead when it comes to looking for a job. So I didn't go to university planning on working in religious journalism as such. But obviously, I went to university as a Christian. I went to university knowing a little bit, I guess, about that world and with an interest in theology and things like that. And so I guess quite quickly, I found myself, even while at university, um, freelancing for um for for some christian publications and and i suppose just over time it became clear that would make a lot of sense i can remember some of my colleagues were you know were asked what kind of journalism do you want to go into and and amongst us guys it was typically either oh i'd love to be a sports reporter or i'd love to work in music journalism and i can remember some lecturers sort of gently gently telling us well that's great but there aren't that many jobs in those areas um so you know i think for me it kind of became clear over time, well, well maybe this is, this is something I do know a little bit about, and I've got a bit of a specialism in that area. And I guess so far, so good, it seems to have worked out.
0: So can you tell us a bit about your journey to your current role?
1: Sure. Um, well, I, I actually, after university, I, I freelanced, which was not not really the plan. I think in theory, it was it was always thought the best thing to do is is to sort of go out, work your way up, and, and get all your contacts, and then maybe towards the end of your career or the middle of your career, you might freelance. Then that was the the way I thought it would go. Um, but what happened was was Southampton Sonant was really superb at giving you real world. Experience. In fact, you couldn't even graduate the degree without having a few weeks' work experience. It was built into the course, um, and so and I, I can remember as well a guest lecturer in year two coming and telling us, "Look, you should start paying off your student loan now. You should be freelancing, and you should be paying back your student loan now." Which, of course, that was I think that was a bit of an exaggeration. But even so, I thought, well, yeah, okay. If if in year two and year three I can be freelancing, that can only be a good thing. Um, and so really what happened at the end of university is, is I had enough contacts to do. I think it was two days freelancing a week. Um, and so the other three days a week, I took a I took a part-time job in a call center doing customer service over the phones. and And gradually over time, I did less work in that call center and more work freelance journalism and built it up um and so yeah I I mean to be honest with you I always thought premier christianity magazine was was the best christian magazine in the country you know there's quite a few but I always felt like that one stood out it really was the best one and I always wanted to work there so I actually applied to be a journalist there more than once and um, I was not successful um and then eventually after a few years they let me in as a as a as a um just sort of low level reporter and then quite quickly managed to work my way up and become editor within within about three years which was amazing looking back but I think right from the word go of walking in I thought you know what I I feel like this is the place for me I I just felt like I immediately clicked with what the magazine was doing and I was such a big fan of it before working there um that it really made a lot of sense
0: Right and I believe that Premier Christianity magazine started off life as a black and white newsletter in the 1960s called Buzz and it's had a number of rebrands since to become as you say one of the UK's leading Christian magazines. Can you give us a, a little bit more of a potted history of the magazine and the thinking behind those various name changes and the journey it's been on?
1: Yeah, the, the history really is fascinating. You're absolutely right. It was 1965 it started out as Buzz magazine. And uh, I wish I could tell you more, but but the truth is I'm a little bit too young <laughs> right. to be able to tell you all the details of it. But um, when the magazine um had one of its big anniversaries, um, I actually went back through the archive and it was one of my jobs to, to literally go down to the basement and get up these massive files of back issues. We've got every single copy in the office since 1965 and go through them all. And, and it was really, I tell you what was really interesting interesting it was fascinating to see what hadn't changed in 50 years and actually some of the subjects the church was debating 50 years ago the church is still debating now um it was also interesting to see how much cliff richard popped up uh, i think he was in pretty much every issue during the 1980s um, right. but you're right there was a lot of name changes i think it was 21st century christian at one point it was alpha it was christianity and then premier bought christianity and rebranded it as premier christianity um so yeah that's a little bit of the history
0: Right. And as you say, you're not the only Christian magazine around, although you're you're one of the leading ones. Who is your target audience and what sort of a niche are you trying to carve out for yourself in in that arena?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the majority of our readership vast majority are protestant rather than catholic um right. and within that um certainly where the magazines come from it's it's come from a largely evangelical heritage now what that means actually is you've got christians of a lot of different denominations who read the magazine so you they may identify more as evangelical not all of them do but you will have christians who are anglican and that's obviously a huge chunk you'll have methodist you'll have um uh, you'll have Free Church, you'll have New Frontiers, you'll have Vineyard, you'll have Baptist. Um, so, so really, almost any Protestant denomination you could name, we've, they are our readers. And what's really exciting about that is it means that people, very often, our readers are very involved in their local church. And, you know, quite often, they um, have a lot of, obviously respect for the denomination they're in they might have their own gripes as well but they're happy where they are in their church but the reason they pick up the magazine just once a month is to find out what else is going on and you know what can i learn from from other christians who may not go to the same church as me may actually have a different view on theology but what can i learn from them and so that's a really exciting readership to have because it's a readership who are very open to ideas outside of their own church um And for me, you know, a really important concept in Christianity is actually one of Christian unity. And we can say, yeah, I might have a different theological view. I might go to a different church. But actually, there are fundamentals that bring us together as Christians that we can agree on. And so really, I think the magazine has a wonderful opportunity to build a bit of unity there and say, you know, our readers definitely do not agree with one another. And I publish stuff in the magazine I personally wouldn't agree with. But it enables us all to say, actually... There's something much deeper than all of that debate that, that, that brings us together and we can learn from one another as Christians. Um, in terms of the demographics, it tends to be Christians who are in their 50s, 60s plus. Now, obviously, I'm I'm early 30s and we want to try and bring the average age down a little bit. So there's there's a job to be done there, which uh, we've, we've been working very hard on. Um, but also, I've got to be mindful. You know, we we have readers who have been paying to subscribe to this magazine for quite literally 40, 50 years. Um, and so my job is to really honour that existing subscriber base whilst also bringing in some younger people as well.
0: And am I right in saying that it is mainly UK based? Do you have much of a readership, say, online for your articles overseas?
1: Sure. When it comes to the print magazine, um, almost all of our subscribers are based in the UK. But when it, as you say, when it comes to the website, it's a very different picture. Um, we actually have more traffic from the USA than we do from the UK. So um, there's a lot of work to be done there in serving both of those audiences. So it really depends whether we're talking about print or online.
0: And you talked about differences of opinion. Do you find with that online audience in the US that there are differences of opinion that you have to straddle with Christians in the UK?
1: It's funny you say that. This, This past week, I found myself publishing about three or four different articles that were all very critical of American evangelicals. And, you know, that wasn't deliberate on my part. I really, I would say, I was just following the, following the news, really. But unfortunately, there were a number of scandals just this last week involving American evangelicals. And, you know, I, I do think as, as Christians, we should be calling out what's wrong in the church um, quicker than the mainstream media, the secular media. Actually, we as Christians need to take responsibility for where things have gone wrong and learn those lessons. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as you, as you might imagine, British evangelicals tend to look at their American counterparts and and be quite disappointed in the way they've backed Trump, for example. Um, you, you will find most British Christians are quite embarrassed about that and would, and would say actually, you know, that this man in the white house does not stand for Christian values and are quite upset at how their American evangelical friends have voted for him. And this is very tricky because I don't think it's, I don't think it's our job as British Christians to tell our American friends how to vote necessarily, but I think as well, we do have a view on that. And so there will be a bit of a clash. Um, In our case, we do pride ourselves on on publishing Christian opinion from across the Christian spectrum. And that means that we have on that subject, although we've published a lot that's been quite anti-Trump, we've actually published um, articles from Christians who, American Christians who have voted for him and who would defend him. Um, And some people don't like that. But I go back to the core of our readership. Actually, they really do care about learning from other Christians, even if they don't agree with them and hearing what they think. And so particularly online, we do publish a lot of opinion articles, and it really is from across the spectrum, both politically and theologically.
0: That That's very interesting. And you took over as editor in January 2018. How has the magazine evolved under your editorship and, and what have you tried to, what direction have you tried to steer it in?
1: Well, to be honest with you, my predecessor, Justin Briley, um, Edited the magazine for for a few years, and I worked very closely as deputy editor alongside Justin, and I really shared the vision for what for what he was doing. And in many ways, I'd say I I don't think there has been a massive change in direction since I took it on. Now, to be honest, I think our readers would be a better judge of that, and, and others will judge me on that. But f- for me, it goes back to that that issue really of Christian unity and of making sure that Christians from across the theological spectrum and denominations have their voices heard. I think as well we we're quite different to other Christian magazines in that we don't just talk about churchy things um you know we reviewed the latest series of stranger things um i remember when star wars got a reboot we did a cover story on that um Darren Brown has been on the front cover even though he's an atheist so you know we try and make sure we're not just uh i guess preaching to the converted if you like uh, we always try and have an eye on what's going on in wider culture what's going on in wider society i mean I've already spoken about politics that'd be one example but we really don't just talk about Theological, churchy things. Um, we always have an eye on what's going on in the world, and um, I think it was uh, um, I think it was William Tem- William Temple, an old Archbishop of Canterbury, who said the church is the only society uh, in the world that, ex-, sorry, the only the only club in the world that exists for its non-members. Church is the only group in the world that exists for its non-members. And I think that's true for us as a magazine. Of course, we are aimed at Christians. uh, But at the same time, there is a job for us to do in representing, hopefully, the best of Christianity to the wider world um, in in a way that is positive. Because, my goodness, I think, you know, if if I could say one other thing about the direction I want to take the magazine in, it, it would be to try and as much as possible, report the good and the positive as much as the negative. And I do think there's a problem in, in our whole industry, frankly, in journalism, of where we can skew negative on a lot of things. And, and, and that's fine. There's a time and place for that, as I've said, with, with criticising elements of the church where we've gone wrong. But I think as well, there's so much good that's going on, um, you know, so much good. And I really want us to report on that as well.
0: How easy or difficult is it to marry that news element of the magazine with the faith element?
1: I've never really found that a problem to be honest, because you know our news if you open up our news pages, they will read like any other news pages of any other magazine frankly um, now obviously if you if you read a feature, the feature will probably assume that you are a Christian that you believe in God um, but I think you know our news pages look no different to any other magazine
0: and what are the main challenges that you're facing at the moment as a publication
1: well um, I think th- the I think they're probably be the same as any other magazine in the sense of you've got a print product, digital is growing. Um, I mean, simply retaining the number of su- subscribers you have, especially in the current climate, I think is a victory. I mean, of course, we want to grow. And actually, in recent months, we have grown but you know in this in this past month i think we held steady the number of subscribers and and to be frank i think that's a victory in the current climate um so i think just just to keep it all going i mean for me personally obviously i come from a content background and i love the nitty gritty of going out and doing the interviews and writing the big features and the editorials and blogging but there is a whole business side to all this which i know obviously you're asking me about and i think to to balance the right the marketing the subscribers the the hr with with the kind of content job is a huge amount to take on um and i know many other editors have said this as well that you know they got into journalism because they want to deal with the content and then once you find yourself being an editor there are 101 other things which perhaps you aren't uh you don't you aren't as passionate about but you still are really vital to keeping the thing going especially from a business point of view so i guess just balancing all of that can be tricky at times
0: well, you touched there on publishing strategy. Um, could you characterize your pub- publishing strategy? I mean, in terms of obviously subscribers are very important to you, but what? how important is the online element, etc.?
1: Sure. Well, one of the great things about being owned by Premier, this wider media group, uh, and Premier, by the way, you know they have three Christian radio stations. They own a couple of other magazines as well. It's quite a big operation based here in London. One of the great things about being part of Premier is there are others I can draw on, uh, especially when it comes to I don't know everything from dealing with the print order to a kind of marketing strategy to um, to the nitty gritty of databases and and all that sort of thing. So I do rely on my colleagues for that. But but broadly speaking, um. We have had a marketing strategy that's worked really well for us, Um, and that has been that anyone based in the UK can go on our website and hopefully they read one or two articles they uh, really enjoy or find thought-provoking. They will be offered a free copy of the latest issue. And all they have to do is uh, send us their address, just fill in a form, and we will we will post out a copy of the new issue to them completely free of charge. Um, now, when they fill out that form, they also give us their telephone number. And so what we're able to do a couple of weeks later is, is give them a call and say, hey, did you enjoy the magazine? Um, would you like to take out a subscription? And at that point, we will offer them a particularly good, I mean, at the moment, I think we're offering a half price subscription offer. So that's worked really well for us. Because what we found is once people have the magazine in their hands and they've seen it... Um, a very large percentage of them actually then want to take out the subscription. It's not particularly difficult to, to sell them the products over the phone. Once they've seen it, they really want it each month. So that strategy has worked really well for us. Now, that's being tweaked What with, as I mentioned, some of the challenges of online because we obviously sell subscriptions direct through the website as well. But I think that certainly over the past five or six years um, has worked really well for us.
0: And you mentioned the fact that Premiere is active across multiple media, magazine, radio, podcasts. How do those different outputs complement each other?
1: I guess the best example of that is probably our, our interviews. I love doing the the sit-down interviews with um, with all sorts. You know, Serenal Fiennes was a highlight of mine, or, or Bear or some of these great adventurers. Obviously, we've done church leaders as well, like the Archbishop of Canterbury and others you might expect. But whoever it is, we'll sit down and do an hour with them. I mean, nowadays, it will be over Zoom, actually, and we'll film the whole interview over Zoom. But we did have a, a TV studio in the office as well. And what we'll do is we'll take the... um take the video and use that as online clips on Facebook. We might upload a segment to YouTube. Then we'll take the full hour audio of that interview and we'll edit it down for broadcast on Premier Christian Radio, which, according to Comres, has 1.2 million weekly listeners. So that's a really huge audience you're reaching on radio. Um, We'll also then take the audio of that interview and use it on the profile podcast. Now, quite often... Uh, with the podcast we've we've recorded for longer than an hour, so the podcast listeners will actually get the extra bit as well and that's really exciting because our podcast audience is a lot younger than the radio audience so you're doing one interview, but you're actually able to get that person to uh to both kind of both demographics if you like um, so that's the audio and then of course i w- I will transcribe that interview quite often and put it in print. So that's I don't know, what is that? Four platforms. So one interview, but it's used over four platforms. So that's quite exciting. And obviously in the print magazine we'll point to the podcast and point to the radio. Um and on the radio and on the podcast we'll point to the magazine. So I think we've I think that's probably the area where we're doing where we've had most success, if you like, where it's most joined up. And I think we've still got more work to do in, in having a similar relationship with other parts of the magazine. But yeah, the, the profile interview I think works really well.
0: And how important is social media to your publishing strategy? And, and what sort of approach have you taken there?
1: Um, I actually think it's become less important. I think if you go back a couple of years, we were getting a huge amount of traffic from Facebook. And it's been very well publicised how, you know, the, the ongoing debate there between Facebook and, and publishers um, but for whatever reason, we're not getting as much traffic through Facebook as we used to. Twitter, we've always had minimal traffic through that. Really, I think Twitter is more about brand awareness and just being there. Um, we've wanted to go onto Instagram, but to be completely honest with you, we, I uh, don't currently have the uh, have the the hours free. In, in, in it's a very small team who work on the magazine. It's just two of us, and we're both part time. So. Um, yeah, social media obviously is important, but I don't think it's quite as important as it were, was just a few years ago, simply because we're not getting as much traffic through to the website from those platforms as we used to.
0: Right. Um, and what about COVID? How has that impacted your business over the last few months?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I suppose I suppose, in some ways, uh, I mean, COVID has upended all of our lives, hasn't it? But in, in, other, in other ways, it has been business as usual. I mean, obviously, our printers um, were amazing through all of this. They were just superb at keeping it running. Uh, The Royal Mail, I perhaps would have less praise for i think the magazine was quite late in landing was still is quite late in landing with subscribers unfortunately which is gutting as an editor because you know you're trying to be as up-to-date as possible and then if, if there's a delay in getting it out to people it's a bit of a shame um so th- there's been a little bit of an effect there it was just just by two or three days you know subscribers getting it a little bit late but that's that's not been a big issue um but in terms of us the editorial staff i think we've we've worked really well from home honestly um, it's not it's not been a big problem i don't think the quality of the magazine has suffered a all. I'm actually really proud of our coverage throughout coronavirus. I think we've got some really great content in the magazine. We've done a few cover stories now because we're monthly, done a few cover stories on COVID. Um so yeah, in many ways we haven't haven't been that adversely affected and I suppose like a lot of businesses, we're now saying, well, actually, in the future do we do we all need to be in the office? Maybe we don't. And I think home working is, is going to be the norm. I still think the office is really important for those kind of creative meetings. And also, you know, we're part of a fairly fairly large organisation. The, the news team sit just behind me in the office. And so quite often, I'll be at my desk working on the magazine and I'll hear there's a breaking news story and turn around and think, right, should we respond to this right now on our website and kind of work with them on it? And obviously, you lose all that when you're working from home. Um, so the office is going to be important, I think, in the future for, for journalists. But I also think we proven you don't have to be there all day every day.
0: And how big is your team?
1: so um myself i'm editor i work four days a week um my deputy editor megan cornwell she um she works uh 4.5 days a week as well and then we have a freelance designer malky curry and then a whole team of freelancers so it is quite a small team but obviously we're set we're set within a larger organization so premier has a marketing department premier has a sales department they have a finance department and obviously the radio so um we really draw on that and I, i mentioned as well how we'll phone people up and and offer them subscriptions there's a whole team doing that so they sit within the wider premier organization but when it comes to our actual brand in terms of editorial it's really just two of us working part-time.
0: Right and um, you've had a recent cover also on the Black Lives Matter um, issue which I imagine as a church uh, or for the churches that you the church audience you're writing for is a very important issue can you tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yeah absolutely Um, this is probably our most popular cover in could be in years. I mentioned social media not giving us that much traction well well, this was the exception to that rule. When we put the cover up on social media along with my editorial, uh, we had l- quite literally hundreds of people sharing it um, hundreds and hundreds of comments. And obviously, I had plenty of email feedback as well from people. Now, I have to say, largely positive. Um, I had some really quite moving emails from from Black people saying, you know, thank you. We finally feel heard on this stuff. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for recognizing us. So that so that was really lovely. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't think us as a magazine have the best track records on race. To be to be completely honest and, and blunt and frank with you. Um, so, so you know, I think we've got work to do internally. But anyway, put, putting it out there as Black Lives Matter to Jesus was on the front cover, um, overwhelmingly positive. That said, um, there are some readers who, in my view, don't quite understand all the issues and who were more critical. I, I think the, the point we've got to in this particular issue, as far as I can tell, is, of course, if you ask any Christian should you be racist? And frankly, anyone who isn't a Christian as well, you're going to, you're going to get the response. Of course, racism is wrong. It's bad. It's evil. It's a sin. Of course, everyone thinks that the, the problem we've got right now is for whatever reason, the, the grouping known as black lives matter in some quarters is controversial. Um, Now, I was very clear in my editorial that just because we're saying Black Lives Matter to Jesus, that does not mean I endorse everything that particular organization stands for or has done um, or is about politically. I'm just saying that when it comes to racism, this is not an issue that Christians can agree to disagree on. I I mentioned earlier that the magazine has a whole range of different Christian views and we do. But on racism... This is not an issue we can agree to disagree over it 's so central to what we believe as Christians that everyone is created in the image of God, every life has value, and that includes black lives and when black lives have been mistreated and maligned it 's absolutely right that we as Christians specifically take a stand and say no, this is wrong so it was overall it was a great experience, and I think you know we picked up new subscribers to it, although of course we didn 't do it for that reason. I just felt like this is a it's quite unusual for us I guess we're not a campaigning kind of a magazine that's not really our star but on this issue I thought no if you if we as christians can't take a stance against racism we might as well give up and go home now because it's that central an issue for me um so yeah um as i say it's still work for us to, to do internally i think on some of these issues um and we're just working on the october issue right now which will include some stuff around black history Month. so I think we're, we're trying to make progress internally as well but i thought it was right we we took a stance.
0: Well, that's really interesting to hear about. Um, now as a media group, you obviously have deep roots in broadcasting and you're ahead of the curve when it comes to podcasts. Um, and podcast, podcasting, as you said, it's it got an increasingly young audience. Um, it seems to be increasingly popular. I wondered what do's and don'ts you would offer to a publisher considering getting into podcasts.
1: Wow, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I'm not really an expert. I, I mentioned the the editor before me, Justin Briley. He has uh, one of the most popular uh, Christian podcasts uh, in the country, actually in the world, frankly, and. Um, uh, I think it, I think it's quite relevant to this discussion because he's, he's had so much success with it and he used to edit the magazine. But his, his podcast is called Unbelievable. And what he does is he gets Christians and non-Christians together for a debate, for a conversation. Uh, this could be on anything. I mean, he's actually done um, some conversations around race, um, more recently but he's obviously he's done th- th- things around science and religion free will versus predestination um he's done um sexual ethics all sorts of different topics that christians and atheists or christians and those of a different religion might disagree on and they'll have a debate around it uh, you know that's that's getting quite literally millions of views now around the world and so if you look i guess we internally as premier we will quite often look at unbelievable and we'll think right what can we learn from with this podcast we've had a lot of success with and how can we apply that to other podcasts and there are definitely some some things we can learn uh, one of them is 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 just regularity i think you have to be putting out a podcast every week otherwise i just don't think it's going to work you need to build it up every week um i think as well and it's, it really is basic stuff but obviously justin will have two guests on each week from two very different schools of thought and he very simply will just ask them to share that link once it's out now over time, and he's been doing this for years. If you do that over time, you will reach a larger and larger audience if the people on the podcast share the link. So I think, and sometimes that will affect who you book. So you might want to book someone onto your podcast who actually has a very large following on social media, because you know, if they share that, it's going to reach a whole new group of people. But as I say, I'm probably the wrong person to be asking about podcasts. It's not my area of expertise, but I do love them. And I guess as a typical millennial, I listen to a lot of them as well. And it's great fun being on one with you. So thank you for that
0: you're very welcome um of all the people you've interviewed either on your podcasts um or for the magazine who has been the most inspirational and why
1: oh wow great question i always struggle on this people ask me this quite a lot and for some reason i always have a bit of a mind blank <laughs> um just probably because there's been so many um
0: you mentioned some of the explorers um yes earlier. yes
1: serenal Finds was was wonderful um yeah, I mean that was that was over the phone. I always prefer, of course, to to meet in person. Uh, yes. There's one there's one lady called Jackie Pullinger. I mean that was quite memorable just because of where we recorded it. Um, there was a a big Christian event up in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, quite um, people were camping, but they were camping sort of around a big manor house, almost castle. And so I found myself in the billiards room of this grand old castle with this uh, missionary called Jackie Pullinger. And and the reason that was was quite interesting is is Jackie Pullinger has spent I mean, a lifetime ministering among drug addicts and prostitutes in Hong Kong, in what was the walled city. It's not there anymore, but a a place of of deep deprivation and crime and poverty. And so to be talking to her about that while sitting in a grand Scottish castle in a billiard room, that was quite memorable. But she is a a no-nonsense, straight-talking missionary who was there to provoke the Church to get on with doing good and serving the poor and and I guess in Christian language, we would talk about being jesus' hands and feet, in other words, you know being like Jesus in whatever we do i e looking out for others and serving the poor and She just has the most incredible stories of um, people who are addicted to heroin um, coming to her and and praying praying with them, and miraculously them being delivered from their drug addiction literally in an, in a moment in an instance and she had many many stories like that um she she also as i say she's very straight talking and so you would ask her a question and she kind of almost glare at you and um yeah, it was it was it was quite an experience. She's she's quite the character, very formidable woman. I mean, I suppose you know some people might find her, dare I say, it, slightly rude. But actually, if you look at what she's done, you have to be a tough person to be working with drug addicts, drug addicts in a place like the Walled City. And um, it was just this. I mean, she is just full of love for those who. Um, are hopeless and is just so eager to bring God's love to those people and to challenge other Christians to do so. So yeah, Jackie Pullinger, uh, amazing woman. She's written a book, wrote a book a long time ago called Chasing the Dragon, which is really a a kind of classic in Christian circles. Um, So most Christians almost basically all of our audience would have heard of her before so to be able to speak to her was wonderful Uh, the other one we did that may be of interest was after the royal wedding Uh, I'm sure you remember the stirring message given by Bishop Michael Curry at um, Harry and Meghan's wedding in Windsor we had a had a conversation with him and he was on the front cover Um, and so that was another great kind of scoop to get as well
0: yes great great Um, In June you had a bit of a run-in with Google um, when they blocked one of your issues due to the rules on reporting coronavirus. Can you talk us through that and how has the problem been resolved?
1: Yeah, I, this is very odd to me. I mean, Google seemed to take the view that if you are covering coronavirus in any way, shape, or form, it has to be verified by some medical or government body, other or it won't put it up on its on its Google Play Store. Now, I I can't I still to this day can't imagine that they've fairly implemented that because by that logic, no magazine at all would be allowed on their store because clearly any magazine, you know, we're not the WHO, we're not the UK government, we're a magazine reporting professionally and accurately. I would would say on covid Um, but what they decided to do was completely um take not let us upload the latest issues of the magazine that dealt with covid onto the store because of that policy um so i do find it absolutely baffling that they've taken that view um and we've tried to get it get it resolved um but as far as i'm aware we we haven't yet now it turns out that I mentioned before, you know, our major business in the UK is through the print magazine. And so actually the magazine digitally is only available internationally. And at the moment, that's quite a small number of people. And so to be completely honest with you, we, we haven't gone, um, we haven't fought it. I haven't, I haven't used a huge amount of my time to fight it because in the grand scheme of things, it's not priority number one. But I do think on a fundamental, you know, level, it's wrong for Google to say that, uh, you know, any magazine that isn't a WHO or the UK government, you know, can report on COVID. So I did find the whole thing pretty mystifying.
0: It it sounds it, indeed. So where next for Premier Christianity? What what plans do you have over the coming year, years?
1: We're going to massively overhaul our website. um, And we're going to launch digitally in the uk so at that point i will then be going back to google and saying well now we're launching the product in the uk we've really got to make sure our coronavirus um, issues are, are up on the uk store as well and i'm sure we'll get that resolved um but no it's really exciting we're just looking at some of the various platforms out there and what they can offer us in terms of a, a digital offering and i mean we already have a huge number of, of hits to our website every month and we're already doing a lot of things I think quite well digitally but just getting the infrastructure in place to get a better looking website to get a better back end um, and to actually launch on tablets um, is hopefully going to happen early next year so we've got a lot of work to do but I'm very excited.
0: And how will that work in terms of revenue? Will, will um, it be paid for content or will some of the content be free?
1: Well I think um, online I think you'll still be able to visit the website and read an article uh, for free. But I think there'll be, a, at the moment, if you go online, pretty much everything is available free unless you want to look at the PDF of the magazine. And so I think going forward, what we'll probably do is we'll still have a little bit of, of stuff free, but I think there will be an increasing drive for you to subscribe because what will happen is in the future, you will be able to subscribe just to the digital magazine, which at the moment, at the moment, you can't actually do, um, which has been a bit of a frustration of mine for various technical and database reasons. We can't offer you in the UK a digital only subscription. So from next year, we will. So from next year, you'll be able to actually say, okay, I'll pay the £4 or the £5 a month, and I'll be able to access everything online that way. So I think that's going to be really good for us.
0: Sounds very exciting. Finally, outside of work, what do you do to relax?
1: Uh, I'm a keen runner. Um, I've run a few marathons, although not not so much recently. Um, and I'm a keen reader, although I've uh, just become a dad, which is very, very exciting. and so oh, I've
0: Congratulations.
1: Had, thank you. So I've had, I've had hardly any time to do either of those two things. I've not been for a run since she was born <laughs> and I've barely read a page of a book either. So I think my hobbies might have to change, but um, there are no regrets for me. I love, love, love being a dad. And so family life is very exciting. And of course, goes without saying, I'm particularly enjoying work from home right now.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Sam, thank you very much for being a guest on the In Publishing podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: A big thank you again to Acorn Web Offset for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for a new magazine printer, then check out their website at acornweb.co.uk or contact Matt Carey on 07714 299 105 or by email at matthew.carry at acornweb.co.uk. Thank you to Sam for being our guest this week. You can find out more about Sam on his website, samhales.com, and his Twitter handle is at Sam If you would like to know more about Premier's publishing and broadcasting activities, then check out their website at premier.org.uk. In publishing can be contacted by email at editorial at inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and please join me next week on the In Publishing Podcast.